This week we're going international. Uh, I was lucky enough to be a guest on his YouTube channel and today we are returning the favour. Uh, we have for you Kazuki Umamara. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yep. Your surname? Yeah, you're right. Yep, Thanks. fantastic. He is uh, a Japanese Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt who has a YouTube channel and a Facebook group and um, lots of other things for over 40s Jiu-Jitsu players. So we're very happy to have him on the show with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking with you guys. Absolutely, man. I mean, look, I'm 48. I think Kim's about 39. Close to. Really uh, no, I'm 47. I'm having the world. I was going to roll with 39 to be safe. Yeah, that's good. So, okay, she's 47. I'm 48. Uh, <laughs> so we could, like, no, like last show, we had this young whippersnapper on the show. It was good, but, you know, it's hard to relate in some ways, man. It's good to have some people who are a little bit older. Are you 40? You don't look 40. Oh, you know, a lot of people think I'm like me. 30 or 40 but i'm actually 27 <laughs> yeah so what prompted you to start a channel for over 40s in your right, youth right yeah sometimes people are like you haven't even been 40 plus but you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i totally understand it but it's like you know i've been teaching jujitsu for a while and then somehow most of my stu students are 40 plus and mm. i have a lot of experience in it so i'm like why not? You know, why don't I give it that shot? So. Wow. Interesting. So you found more students over 40 because maybe I'm training at the wrong time or the wrong academy. <laughs> I feel like most students are under 40. I mean, I'm nearly always the oldest person in the class. Um, I train mostly in the evening. So maybe the, the older practitioners are going in the days. But is I, think that I think it's the location, you know, or the academy that I started teaching jujitsu uh was called uh, is called carpe diem that mm. is located in business city so there are a lot of businessmen who business people who want to train bjj before they want to go work so mm. most of them are you know 30 plus 40 plus so yeah. it's just a location i guess where, where is it in, actually kazuki where is it oh it's in tokyo tokyo yeah right wow yeah, it's a very big club, that one, Carpe Diem. Very, very uh, prominent and very good high-level jiu-jitsu there. Right. It's been growing a lot. It's been growing a lot. And there are a lot of, you know, super high-level competitors. You know, Carpe Diem is known as probably the highest level BJJ academies in terms of, you know, competitors. And, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, like people who actively compete, uh, in their you know twenties are basically staff members, and then they teach people who like work. You know, the jujitsu is not their full time thing. Yeah. So they have a really good like separation between them. So similar to us, Anton, I'd say, wouldn't you say? Like most of the staff are a lot younger at our academy. So our academy is also in the business district, mm -hmm. and yeah, now I think about it, perhaps most of them are in their well, at least their thirties. Now I think about it, a lot of people are. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's not something, I guess, that's specific just to Japan. Maybe it is everywhere that people are a bit yeah. older. I mean, honestly, that age group, you know, that community has been growing a lot, you know. But yeah. at the same time, I feel like there is not enough approach for uh, instructors or academies to specifically approach people 40 plus because the techniques that 
they are looking for might be different from like super modern, bearing bolo, their hiba thing that require a lot of flexibility. Absolutely. Right? We're a special category. We are a special needs category as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Slow, inflexible. Yeah, our body has been changing a lot. Flexibility changes, speed changes, or, you know, power changes, and also recovery, right? And mm -hmm. I feel like most of academies don't provide enough information on recovery methods. So, you know, that's something I can do online too. So, wow. so I, what I do focusing on. Good on you, man. And what about like the competitive, like in your club, just because I would, I'd really love us to dive into some of your methods and advice, et cetera, but like in our gym, I would say that the older people, the, the more distinguished people like myself and Kim, uh, <laughs> uh, less likely to compete. Some of us still love to compete, but I'd say the majority just don't um, anymore. Like they feel like they've either proven what they did or they're trying to be fit. Is the culture kind of the same in Tokyo? Like the older people are doing it more as a sport and exercise and there's a few that still compete? Yeah, for sure. I mean, most of practitioners 40 plus they just go there to enjoy just to be uh, one of the things they do in their daily life so you know most of them don't compete they just go there to enjoy yeah and what sort of things then do you um suggest for older practitioners that are better for them so when people that may not our listeners that may not perhaps know your channel are you looking at specific techniques or do you modify the techniques or how do you approach it for older people? So the very first thing I always emphasize is, you know, flexibility and safety. Those are the two things they really have to mainly look at when it comes to finding the, you know, proper techniques that fit them. So I usually recommend things like uh, lasso guard, right? because lasso guard doesn't require a lot of flexibility. It's very easy to do guard retention as opposed to like spider guard, the hebra guard, which in which you sometimes have to get the leg around to stop the guard pass that requires some flexibility mm -hmm. or close distance game, like close guard, half guard, or, you know, when it comes to the top, you can do a lot of like a double under, over under, knee slice pass if, if their knee is not injured. So those you know, close distance pass and then some open guard that doesn't require a lot of flexibility. Those are the techniques that I always recommend to them. Yeah, I love that. I, I don't yeah. it's part of my game, but now that you mention it, it does make sense, you know, to, to, to take advantage of those moves that are probably more suited to my game. Like I probably need to stop thinking like a 20 year old and actually think like a, a man of my own age and actually adapt my game to something that's going to yeah. the next 10, 20, 30 years of grappling, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Even a plus, you know, Anton, you have been training BJJ for a, while, for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have been training BJJ for a long time without even, you know, those having those support, yeah, what's amazing about BJJ is our body tends to adapt to what we, our, our body fits, right? So as we keep training, like our body recognizes, oh, over undergird pass works a lot. Lasso guard works better for me. And then our body starts selecting those. But at the same time, with, you know, people's body, especially when they are, you know, 40 plus, it might take a long, long time, right? So yeah. I can be a help to have a little bit of shortcut and to make training more effective. So that's what I've been doing. And tell us about recovery. What sort of things, we talk about this quite a bit on this podcast, but what sort of things do you suggest for older players 
for recovery? Yeah. So when it comes to recovery, you know, there's definitely a, a holistic, you know, we all have to approach holistically. You know, there's no one thing that the, that's the perfect formula to, you know, improve the recovery. We have multiple factors, right? Or sleep, diet, hydration, intensity of training, right? And how you train, like how you, how hard you train to. So there's definitely, oh, you know, you always have to have holistic approach. And also what's hard about uh, recovery is uh, those things like sleep, diet, they are like really associated with lifestyle, right? Mm. So if you are 40 plus, you probably have been doing the similar or the same routine every day for a long time, like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It's very hard to make a change on those. So although the holistic approach is very important, it's very hard, hard to change the whole thing, right? So what I recommend is like find one thing. Okay, let's say when it comes to or sleep, right? Oh, you know, when it comes to sleep, the first 90 minutes is the key. So in order for you to improve it, you gotta stop the smartphone an hour before you go to the bed, take a bath 90 minutes before, just try those two things at first, and you'll probably see some result from it, right? And your body recognizes it. Okay, this is actually, this has me actually working. So once you do that, you'll be like, okay, this is great. So why don't I try one more thing i already got this routine so why don't i try new things so i always recommend to do like what pick one thing whatever you want to do whatever you find it easy to change first and then start from there and go go on on and try new things from there yeah, yeah. no that sounds great no i definitely agree with that yeah and tell us about japan so here in australia uh, well certainly in melbourne there's been I guess a bit of a drop off in numbers of our members post COVID since uh, COVID's, you know, lessened and um, gyms are back open again. Is it the same situation there? Has there been a lot less or is the uptake still pretty good or how's things looking in Japan? So the academy I used to work for, Carpe Diem, I, I, you know, I already quit the academy to become independent. So I'm not there anymore, but I was there, you know, when COVID was happening. But actually, for specifically that academy, somehow we got more members. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I guess it's just uh, people are looking for the third place, right? Like Japanese culture is very like, you know, um, I kind of feel like this, like if you are married and if you have a kid, like you basically do everything together. I don't, I don't think it's a Japanese thing, but you know, People always go to the work. That was the second place. So it was kind of like a little bit of like escape from the family. They have to be together all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they come home and, you know, so they kind of got, the, that's got a little bit of good separation, but because of COVID, they have to stay at home all day. So they are looking for something to escape for like two hours, right? Yeah. I don't know if like, it's appropriate to escape, but you know, that's yeah. what that is. People, actually more people study it. But I don't know, for other academies in Japan, I guess, just like in Australia, I think the less member has been, has been, have been training BJJ, I guess, I don't know. So you guys had a lockdown too though, right? And then like, yeah. and when you did, the gyms were closed, I presume. So, and you're saying you had the lockdown, the gyms closed and then they reopened with more members. Amazing, that's pretty yeah, cool. that was Yeah, that was surprising actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
I think we're getting back to normal numbers again now. I feel like we are. Um, yeah, slowly. But a lot of people have dropped out. There's there's yeah. a lot of uh, people that haven't returned. I think maybe people a bit nervous about the close contact, et cetera. Um, and you mentioned about the work there. So I, I travelled to Japan myself about um, five or six years ago, and I was really taken, and I'd heard about it a lot, with the culture, the work culture. How is it there with training jiu-jitsu, like, from what I saw, people were crazy long hours. I mean, are the classes scheduled yeah. to be, you know, starting at 8 p.m. or how, how does it work? That's a that's a really great question. That's a really great question. You know, yeah, people work hard in Japan. You know, you'll be surprised. People work freaking like 8 a.m. to freaking like 10 p.m., you know? Yeah. <laughs> actually, literally die from it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, when it comes to jiu-jitsu, after they work until, like, 8 p.m. And, you know, what's funny is most of the classes, you know, BGJ academies, they usually start around, like, 8.30 or 9 p.m. So wow. they just, you know, bring all the, you know, workout clothes or, I mean, like, jiu-jitsu gi. You know, they just take it to the work and they just bring it to the jiu-jitsu academy. And then they, you know, train until, like, 10.30 or something and they go home. Wow. Yeah, and, then this and then get yeah. to bed midnight, then get up 5 a.m. and go back to work the next day. Exactly. Or, or what, you know, a lot of BJJ academies in Japan have been starting are, uh, is a, uh, morning classes. The classes mm-hmm. are at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. You know, 10 years ago, you know, all the BJJ academy owners, they were like, you know, even if you do jiu-jitsu 5 a.m., nobody is going to come. But actually... That culture has been, you know, getting a little bigger and bigger. I kind of feel like more people have been joining morning classes, 6 a.m., 5 a.m., uh, 6 a.m., 5 a.m., so that they don't have to, you know, go to the academy after. Yeah, and is there a lunch class culture? Lunch? I, I've never heard of it, but I don't know. Maybe. Is it? Is it? Is that the, is that the oh, yeah. thing? Most of my- oh, in Melbourne, in Australia, it is big, yeah. Like the class is like ninety, like sixty minutes, ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, sixty minutes. Yeah. So people take a break in their lunch break and come and train jujitsu and then go back to work. Yeah. That's interesting. Australia is a what? very, very lazy man. Very. very lazy. Well, they still go to jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, so when it comes to working, sorry, I should rephrase that. Not when it comes to living life. We're very fanatical about living our life, but when it comes to working, very lazy. We have a lot of holidays that we don't need. Wait, so in, in Australia, Australia, oh, so working culture, you guys have like 19 minutes, two hours, like lunch break. Uh, not, not theoretically. It depends on your workplace. I guess the standard is sort of 60 minutes lunch break I personally for me I don't attend a lot of lunch classes and I've often wondered the people that go to them must have very understanding employers because it's at least 90 minutes I mean yeah by the time you get to class and then change after class and get back to your workplace it could be two hours yeah so maybe that won't be taken up in Japan Anton yeah two hour hour lunch breaks (laughs) that's right following on from what you said Kim one of the things which really stands out to me I've had to let go of like how I show up to class, right? And what I mean by that is like, I do mostly do lunch classes, but sometimes it'll even be the end of the day. I start my morning every morning, 4.55 a.m., right? And I'm in, in back-to-back meetings Then I get, and this is for 40 plus, I guess this is why I'm saying this. Then I get to the mats and like up to one minute before I'm on the mats, I'm in serious calls, solving serious problems. Like I love my jujitsu, it's a release. 
But having said that, I'm dealing with so many things in my mind the second I step onto the mats. And the second I step off the mats, those same things are there as well, right? So I had to become compassionate towards myself because I'll definitely have good days and bad days depending on what's going on that day. That's true. Do you cater for that sort of stuff? I mean, when you consider, as Kim pointed out, the, the crazy work hours, like these people must be dealing with incredible pressure when they step on the mats. And, you know, what, what are they like? Are they, are they connected? to? Do they seem present? Do they seem distracted? What are they like? The, uh, you know, the thing about me is I used to work for a company, like a regular company. Uh, I used to work as a sales for the... Um, <clears throat> It's called Recruit. So it's a it's a parent company of Indeed. Mm-hmm. So I used to work for a, like, you know, big company that has got a really like, a, like a strong, like, you know, in which you really have to work hard, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to work like 10 hours, 11 hours. And after that, I went to Jiu-Jitsu. To me, I really couldn't do it. Like you said, my mind was still thinking about all the tasks that I had to do, right? Mm-hmm. So I really, I really couldn't switch my mind. But I think the thing is, when it comes to jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu is like an active meditation, right? Like when you drill or when you spar, you cannot think about anything else because you, I mean, you cannot think about it when people are actually trying to choke you out, right? <laughs> so, you know, maybe like first 20 minutes, 30 minutes, we keep thinking about it. But I guess as time goes by, that's going to be like a actual meditation that you are not going to think about anything else, I guess. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. And tell us about you, Kazuki. So how did you discover Jiu-Jitsu? How did you get into it? Yeah. So uh, I started BJJ when I was 18. But before that, I used to be a professional boxer. Mm-hmm. But my, you know, in boxing, my retina got detached. I think that was this one. My retina got detached. So I kind of started seeing some like a black dot flying in my eyesight. Wow. But, I still, I still have it sometimes, but you know, when I talk with someone boring, I just keep looking at it. And like, yeah. Are you looking at it now? I hope not. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, but that, you know, that's a moment, you know, I had to quit boxing, but I still love the concept of combat sports, mm-hmm. how exciting it is. And I found out or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And also, you know, I think, you know, most of strikers can relate to it. But when we train striking, we always have the feeling like, what if some people take me down, right? And it's the same as Jiu-Jitsu fighters who have never trained striking. We always have, what if people punch my face, fight my finish, right? So I always had that in my feeling. So I thought that was the, you know, best timing for me to go, okay, I really want to start a PGJ. And then I found a, found an academy called you know Nova Nova Union right no yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Union, right there was a, there's a Nova Union Japan close to my house so I started BJJ there but oh uh, oh uh, I decided to go to a university in the US somehow like someday I'm like I just want to go to the US so I left there and I joined a Carson Gracie team it's called Marcelo Marcelo. Marcel, Marcel Alonso Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you spent time in the US training? Yes, yes. Wow. Around like five years or something. Because, you know, the first year, you know, I, I went there with no English, right? Like all I could say was like, hi, Kazuki, 
Kazuki, yes, no, right? That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> so when there and then for you know first first year, I just kept studying English and I, I kept talking to people on the street too. I was like, hey, stop, stop, Japanese, no English. <laughs> Ten minutes, talk, talk, you know. Wow. But, you know people. Yeah, people living in Seattle, they are nice. They actually stop by, you know. They yeah. Yeah, at first they all, you know, they always have kind of super suspicious look at first. But after that, they actually have conversation. That's how I improved my English. And I stayed there the next four years, going to a university while training jujitsu. So I was there for five years. You're so courageous. Right. So you, you're telling me you stopped strangers to practice your English. And that is like, <laughs> I've never heard of anybody doing that. Like how did you even build up the courage to do that? Where did you learn? Where do you have that idea? Like, how does that work? I think it's just it's just my personality, you know. Like, I think I'm, I have been definitely weird, you know. I I definitely think of myself weird, though. But um, we're all a bit weird. That oh, jujitsu, yeah. let's face it. Right, right. Yeah, it's kind of. Um, I kind of feel like when it comes to language speaking, like having conversation is definitely the only way to improve, right? And I've seen a lot of Japanese people or, you know, people from other countries, they come to the US, study abroad, uh, trying to improve their English, but they just, you know, have their own community with, you know, whoever they are from, where they are from, mm-hmm. right? So they cannot improve their English well. So I decided to kind of have some distance from them and, you know, went out on the street and just talked to people people you know yeah and how are things there in japan um in terms of jiu-jitsu versus judo so Mm. i mean i read um the drysdale closed guard book last year that talked a lot about the the origins of brazilian jiu-jitsu and uh how i guess the japanese culture really influenced it and i'm just interested to hear from someone from japan how is it today in terms of judo versus brazilian jiu-jitsu so, you know, first of all, jujitsu is not as famous or uh, well known or as popular as people think it is in Japan. So, if you tell people who have never tried jujitsu, hey, I train BJJ, people have no idea. People are going to be like, what is it? What is it? Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about in Australia, but in the US, you know, if I tell, hey, I train BJJ to people who have never trained BJJ, they kind of have some idea of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Japan it's never like that but when it comes to judo we all know it because all the junior high school all the high school p program have a uh, judo program right so we all have to go through it judo olympic team is strong in japan too so judo is probably like five more times popular so jiu-jitsu is you know uh something that started recently and the community is be- very very small mm. are you mm. how trained are you in judo are you trying to do it? Are you a double? Uh, are you a double? I, I, I do. I do. I do a lot of like foot sweep or like seoi sweep, seoi takedown. Mm-hmm. And plus, my you know hand fighting is very close to judo. So a lot of people think I used to train judo. You know, they're like plus I kind of I'm kind of a little big in Japan. So people are like, hey, you used to train judo. I've never trained BJJ, uh, jujitsu. I just trained judo in PE class, but I still say, yeah, yeah, I've trained judo. And people. <laughs> <laughs> our, our coach Tiago, he is just just recently become a judo black belt as well. So, yeah, he's a BJJ and judo black belt, and we've got a couple of them on the show. And it's, I think it's a great marriage of arts to have those two 
you know, black belts because then, you know, you get the takedown and then you get, mm. you know, I think it's really great. Yeah. Do you guys train, do you guys train judo? Like in Australia, is judo a big thing, like big deal in Australia? I wouldn't say it's as big as jiu-jitsu. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't have that much experience with it. Uh, many jiu-jitsu clubs do have judo classes, or I know that our class will, our club will, will often, um, some of the techniques are quite judo-esque, mm. but I don't know that it's, as, well, certainly it's not as big here as what it would be in Japan. That's for sure. Um, it kind of peaked. Like basically judo is what I grew up around. There was no BJJ when I was growing up and all the kids were doing judo or karate or taekwondo pretty much, you know, or some sort of taekwondo. Uh, kind of group. But, you know, I think it kind of peaked. And then obviously there is a progression in judo, you know, obviously into Commonwealth Games or Olympics or whatever else. Like it is a much more internationally recognized kind of sport. So I think it was attractive. But then also our judo here has a bit of a reputation for just being a bit of a political kind of minefield. Like it's really full on if you do judo. You have to go through so many hoops, et cetera. Whereas, whereas jiu-jitsu is so laid back, you know, it's like, you show up if you want, if you don't, it doesn't matter. That's it. That's, yeah, that's one of the culture shocks that I had, you know. I used to train karate. I trained judo in PE class. It's all about, like, being polite, right? Like, you got to have, like, certain yeah. degree of buying to. Yeah. And, you know, you got to do, like, certain, like, ritual or some stuff, right? But when I joined BJJ for the first time, people just lay down and listen to what they're not, right? Absolutely. And would you say, because uh, again, are there any other differences between the US and Japan in the, like in the teaching style, going back to the judo, for instance, is there more of a maybe judo focus in the, in the techniques that are taught in Japan versus the US? I think, I think the thing is just because of jujitsu history is not that long in Japan, most of the instructors who, got, who have black belts, they either uh, transit it to jujitsu from judo. So I kind of feel like somehow, you know, jujitsu judo population has been very big in Japan. So mm-hmm. I guess most of practitioners have some judo background. So yeah, I think in Japan we value a lot of takedowns. But at the same time, if you go to uh, jujitsu academies in Japan, you know, especially Tokyo is one of the most um densely populated cities, right? So the place is very small. So although the instructors value takedowns, the place is not big enough for students to start from their feet. Mm. So I guess we don't get to have like enough practice of it. So where do you normally start from? On the knees or sitting or like closed guard, half guard? Like do you, like some of our coaches around here say you never start on the knees. You know, there's a bit of a thing about that. Yeah. Where do you guys start? I and it depends on the um, academy, but I think you know most of people start from their knees. But I yeah, like you say, I don't really agree with it. It's not like practical, right? Like some people want to get to the top so bad that when they start from their knees, they just go for like some <laughs> from their knees. That's but well, it's that for right? So yeah, it's actually a bit dangerous now that I think about it. I just yeah, want is- <laughs> just want to quickly share my screen and um, run through your YouTube channel and your Facebook for any of our listeners who want to kind of, you know, just know about what you're up to. So I'm just having a look here. Maybe we'll go to the videos, but this is your YouTube channel. So 
Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you. I see in there, Kazuki, you've you've predicted Gordon Ryan to sub Galveo in their super fights. Hopefully, hopefully Gordon Ryan happened to watch this and he gets upset and he exposes this YouTube channel. Ah, I see. Yeah, actually, one of the things I want to say is like you do have quite a lot of views on some of these. It's really kind of obviously a development channel. Um, But, you know, it's it's like you're putting a lot of effort and you're doing all the right things. You've got a lot of thumbnails and everything. It looks super professional and like something that's that could really, really go ballistic. So um, that's yeah, awesome. Give me, yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys' advice because, you know, I've been doing it for just like six months and, you know, my channel has got still like, you know, 1,000 subscribers. So, you know, if you guys have any advice, you know. No, I think it's still more than us, though, Anton. We, we've been doing it for two years, but uh, Kazuki actually has more subscribers than us. Right. I think there's a lot of people that listen on our different platforms. Maybe our problem is we don't have it all in the one place. Yeah. We've sort of spread ourselves fairly, maybe thin. I don't know, because we're on all the all the podcast platforms. Yeah. Do you put your um, podcasts in here as well, or do you just put your instructionals? I haven't done... I, ha- I don't have any podcast account. Yeah. I think it's because most of my videos are, you know, I've got, I've got like visual aids, right? So only like interview series, like Kim's interview, I think it's up there. I think that was very recent. Yeah. The yeah. Interview About a month Kim. ago, yeah. 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 I think awesome. Those things like we actually can do just the podcast, I guess. Yeah, yeah, awesome, man. I, I, what I've been watching lately is Twitch streamers and how Twitch streamers take advantage of like their streams and their podcasts and whatever. And then they chop it up and make really effective YouTube clips. And uh, yeah, I'm, I am learning a lot. Like, although we're not doing it with our podcast yet, I'm just, you know, they, most people are masterful in developing like, you know, 100,000 plus watches and listeners and all that sort of stuff. So I'm definitely looking. Hmm. And then we should have a Facebook page here as well. Kazuki's BJJ for 40 plus private group. So it's got, you know, nearly 2,000 members in there. And I can see that you're, you know, you've got posts like the best game for older practitioners and, you know, good stuff in here. So, and definitely a, a group I'm, I'm, um, I, I enjoy being part of. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, thanks Thank you. for sharing stuff. I, I really appreciate you guys introducing that. Yeah. So we're we're ne- nearly out of time, but Kazuki, before you go, I wanted to ask your opinion about um, Nogi for over 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I guess primarily a lot of your YouTube content is with the Gi. Yeah. What are your thoughts or what suggestions do you have for over 40s players for Nogi? Mm, I think if I um, make the answers short, if you don't have any injuries, you should train both. You know, as you guys know, gi is going to improve your nogi. Nogi is going to improve your gi in terms of control, submissions. We have all different games that can be applied to, you know, both situations. So uh, I really, I recommend you to do it. But, you know, as you guys know, nogi has got less friction, right? So that means we can be speedy, we can be fast. Always something that happens fast that increases the possibility of getting injured. So we cannot deny that we have more possibilities of getting injured in Nogi. So, uh, you know, if you have knee injury or, you know, some type of injuries, I recommend you to do Gi more often. And then if the injuries get better and better, you can always incorporate Nogi. You can probably try that, like, you know, 
nogi once a week, right? And if you really miss nogi in those times, you can always try out nogi class, nogi techniques in gi, right? When it comes, you know, you can do heel hook in gi, but except that, like giver, uh, guillotine, right? Or the anaconda dust choke, you can only try that in gi too. So that's how you can not forget about nogi. So always, you know, look at your body condition and then try to balance out. There should be a good balance or equilibrium that you can have. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah, that's great advice. Awesome. I, really, I really thank you, man, because even though you're only 27, you feel like, you know, you really connect with people who are 40 plus. I think you found a niche and it's a... Trying, trying. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's really good. It's really useful. And, uh, you know, we need... We need you know, the latest advice and, uh, you know, and what's happening from the younger crew coming up, but also making it relatable to people who are a little bit older and, and doing BJJ and who want to do it for the next 30, 40, 50 years or as long as science and medicine can keep us on the mats. So, man, I really yeah. thank you. Yeah, glad to be helped, you know. Do you have any final words or? Oh, thoughts? you know, yeah, uh, jujitsu. You know, whether you're a 40 plus player or, you know, or younger than 40, Jiu-Jitsu really changes your life, right? Mm. So um, I went to the US with no English. Definitely Jiu-Jitsu community has helped me to improve and socialize in the US. And now I found my passion in BJJ, like working in BJJ. So plus BJJ lets me connect with a lot of amazing people like you guys, right? So to me, BJJ, if you start BJJ, you always come to the con come for the content, right? You start BJJ so that you can become a badass, right? You can fight on the street. That's what we always look for. Yeah. But you stay in BJJ community for a long time, 10 years, 20 years, you will start seeing like BJJ as a vehicle, you know? BJJ is a vehicle that lets you connect with amazing people, takes you to a lot of places. You can travel with jujitsu. So, you know, that the, you something that you can never expect is going to happen. So stick with it. Show up to the classes and you will really enjoy it. And BJJ is going to be a very big part of your life. So mm. keep training, keep grinding. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. And yeah, I think maybe we leave on that note and also with the, the motto for Kazuki's group, which is today is the youngest you'll ever be. Yes. I like it. I like it. And the flip side of that is there's still a hundred percent of your life to go. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I got and uh, thank you so much. I really awesome. All right. We'll have this out in a couple of weeks. So we'll share it. If you could share it on your platform, that would be awesome for us because if um, 1.7 thousand people can see it that would really help our grow our audience and hopefully we can grow yours a little bit as well so yeah thank you so thank much you for so taking much. the time awesome. awesome and hoping to come to japan and maybe meet you in person at yeah. some yeah. stage so yeah i i'd love to go to australia too i've never been to but that's one of the places that i always want to go so yeah. we should all train together someday for sure. Please come. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm really sure. close to the gym, man. You're welcome to stay here. We've got a spare room. So whenever you come to be my guest. That's, that's come to Melbourne. Enjoy our borders are open. Okay. Yes. Thank you again. And uh, we will see you. See you hopefully soon. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye.